this is Terry Givens, the CEO and founder of the Center for Higher Education Leadership, and this is the Higher Education Leadership, Leadership Podcast. I can say that. So today uh, we are talking to Kai Dreckmeyer, who is um, the founder and president at Inside Track. And I just want to send a note out there. To, I know we're dealing with a very difficult time in this country, especially around issues of race and equity. And, and we'll be talking about that a little bit today. But I just want to send a word out to everyone that you know, you're in my thoughts. And um, I know we're all trying to figure out how the best to deal with this. And you know, we're always here to help you at the Center for Higher Education Leadership. If you have any questions about issues that are happening right now at your institution or diversity issues, we're happy to help. But um, I just want to mention that, you know, one of the reasons I was really interested in talking to Kai is because I do um, work with a lot of organizations um, here in the Bay Area that uh, around student success and, and first generation students. I'm a first generation student myself. And I think it's really important for us to look at ways we can you know, help students, uh, not especially during times like this, where they may be dealing with all kinds of different crises, including financial, to uh, succeed in school and to stay in college. So first, uh, Kai, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Terry. It's, it's great to be on today. Uh, again, this is Kai Dreckmeyer. I'm president and one of the co-founders of Inside Track, and we've been working for about the last 20 years to help colleges improve student well-being and student success and student outcomes and we've done that pretty pretty successfully um, we've now worked with over, more than two million students over the last couple decades and have um, our, our main approach really is coaching which is kind of a synonym for holistic advising and through that we are and and you could describe that as a mix of executive coaching and social work, arguably, depending on what the student needs. But we have found that this kind of really positive, proactive approach um, of wraparound services can make a big difference in students' lives. If you're thinking about everything, not just academics, but all the non-academics, outside commitments, work, family, and helping them bring their best to the table and address some of those nagging issues that really make it hard to move forward. So that's really been our approach. We have um, had our work evaluated by uh, outside entities, outside researchers, and, and those groups have, have determined that we've had a, a significant impact. So that really is our work at, at its core. We've moved forward a bit into providing more technical assistance to help train and support staff at colleges to do this work themselves. So that's the sort of basic background. Great, then thanks so much for that, Kai. I mean, this is really one of those times and really in our history where um, the, the things you're doing are really important. And I'm sure there's a lot of higher ed administrators out there who are wondering, you know, what can we be doing to help our students through this time to make sure they're, you know, first of all, you know, getting enrolled and, and not only getting enrolled, but staying in college. Because I know how difficult it was for me as a first generation student to, you know, deal with the financial side of things. And, and um, I know that can often get students derailed and we're, we're dealing with a really difficult time economically. So I'm just curious what advice you might have for folks out there. Yeah. Um... Um, maybe in a little bit, I'll talk about the kind of the phases I see that that institutions and staff and administration are going through in their thinking about uh, just moving through and beyond the COVID-19 disruption. Um, but I'll say the first phase really has been a 
a, a pretty impressive focus on student well-being, mm-hmm. and 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 I I like this that in this crisis a core value of higher ed has come out. I think um, in general, you know, practically to a person, but at least most people who work in higher ed, they want to make a difference in people's lives, and they recognize that their most vulnerable, economically most vulnerable students, really need support and would really struggle to. Uh, get through this and remain enrolled. And so uh, there's been a big emphasis on reaching out to students, helping them address and think through the economic impact. And I think that that's got to just continue. Um, so, so that's been, I think, very impressive. Now, with uh, you know the incident in Minneapolis with George Floyd, uh, there is... Uh, it's not a good thing. However, it is a wake-up call and reminder that we have serious issues of racial justice. Mm-hmm. And I think many administrators are realizing, you know, this is just a call. We have got to do a way better job on that front too. So mm-hmm. so I think the the response I've seen has been a real con- a, a full concern and then a recognition that we've got to change and improve. And my hope is that we will keep focus on that. And that's my recommendation that we do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I've seen organizations like Sarah Goldrick Robs, the the Hope Center really focusing on kind of just the, you know, the, the basic needs of students right now, um, helping them get through the next few months, both because, you know, students are not just trying to deal with, with, you know, just the basics of college. They're also losing their jobs that they, they were counting on to help them get through the summer and, and you know, they need help with food assistance and housing and all of that. So I, I think you're right. I mean, this is a time to really be focusing on the basic needs of students and, um, you know, that, that can't be emphasized enough. But, you know, we, I think also there, you, you already mentioned, you know, there's the opportunity to look to forward and to think about um, some of the ways, you know, I, I, we are doing this, you know, even in my own organization, um, thinking about ways to make sure that students have what they need to be able to enroll in the fall to make sure they, they stay enrolled. And um, I know that, uh, you know, some institutions are looking at uh, reducing costs for students in various ways. And, uh, but also, you know, the kind of coaching you're talking about, I think is gonna be a very, big component of that is to help coach students through these different issues in a way that, you know, it allows them to think more positively about their ability to stay in college. Absolutely. Um, You know, I I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give, I I, I saw something, I didn't read the whole article, but that some of the money from the CARES Act Mm -hmm. is just not getting through, particularly to community college students. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest piece of advice, um, for sure, shift the focus to student support as much as we can. And and there there is a way to do that without spending a lot of additional dollars. But but the first bit of advice is that to remember that outreach has to be consistent and persistent. A lot of us feel, I tried once, we left a message, I sent an email, I told you that once. Turns out all the research shows that if the message, if it's important, you've got you've to send it seven times. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got to keep reaching out. And that always the most vulnerable populations who need the most support have the most trouble accessing it. Mm-hmm. And so 
um, we can't, right now we can't forget it. Our organization focuses a lot on change management principles internally, but also with the client universities we work with. And, and that's one of the biggest things we've learned is we, we fail at that sometimes too, by the way. We mm-hmm. think, hey, we put this out, we put a message out, we had a couple meetings, it's not enough. It's gotta be like seven to 10 times. So keep outreaching because partly you're telling, you're normalizing for that student and saying, hey, this is here, it's gonna happen. Um, we're, we're pushing until we hear back from you because we want you engaged with us. So I think that's one of the most important things. The second, and, and this has been also very encouraging, you know, our organization, we, we sometimes do direct services where we're con- a college will hire us for our personnel to do work. But more and more, we're, we're asked to train, teach, and help set up and consult to pro- provide that technical assistance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, on that front, we're seeing now, I think going through the summer, a lot of staff and faculty being repurposed to do outreach and provide support. And, and that is not an easy thing for folks. So there, there's two pieces. We're having to get staff and faculty comfortable working in a remote environment and reaching out by phone, text, and email, and sometimes Zoom. Uh, and we're also just having them to get used to doing more of that out, uh, that conversation that they probably weren't having in the first place. So, right. so those are some pieces where we've really got to see movement. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, even as the parent of a you know child in high school, um, that's one thing that I've been telling the administration is you know I'm I'm a pretty you know uh, good advocate for my son, but we need more communication. And, and, you know, I think sometimes people feel like, you know, oh, those emails are just, you know, they, it, it, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that students don't read email. Um, and so, and actually, you know, a lot of times we go to text and, you know, well, they're just ignoring their text. It's like, well, no, the thing is you just have to, I think that the, what you're saying to a certain extent is that it's almost like we have to train the students to, you know, to, you know, start communicating and reading their their emails and so on and 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 not in the sense that you know we are training them like but just in the sense that they have to know to to that those communications are coming that that they have to get used to that idea and so i like you know that you say that could be consistent and persistent because um it's just a matter of you know just getting them used to the idea that that's the way they're going to get this communication and, and it's the easiest way for them to to understand what's going on at any point in time. And so, yeah, I, I, I really like that idea. That's right. And, and just as we don't want students to give up prematurely and, and life is kind of calling on them to do so a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. um, we can't either. We've got to keep pushing forward, keep moving, keep trying. And, uh, you know, know that getting through to these students, letting them know that we want to support them and then providing the support, it's the most important thing. So the idea of, I tried and it didn't work, and so we're moving on, is to me, not acceptable. We've got to stay at it and find different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just, go ahead. There, there's another question around the advice that students should be given right now and, and, and what that conversation with students should be. And so, I've thought a lot about this, and I, I'm not saying this is the be-all, end-all. Someone could critique this and change my mind, but I think there's kind of a, it's sort of a, a four-part conversation that we need to have with students. 
number one, we need to communicate that we're thinking about you and we're here to help. And mm -hmm. so um, before any of this communication happens, the college or university has to line up, well, what resources do we have? What are we trying to push out to students? How can we help them? Anticipating some of the challenges that they're facing. And so based on bringing that to the table, to demonstrate empathy, to use it as a chance to say, yes, you matter and we see you and we're concerned, we're here to help, we're here to support you in this time. And then two, to let them know that in terms of what's happening in the fall, if we haven't already shared a full plan, which most institutions haven't, to let them know that it's coming. And mm -hmm. to, to be self-reflective and say, hey, we need to communicate more with you and maybe we haven't yet because there's so much uncertainty and we don't know. But leadership needs to say even, even if they don't know or there's no clear plan yet, that needs to be communicated. And to say, in two weeks, we're gonna have an update coming to you. And in four weeks, we'll have an update coming to you. So let them know that there will be more information coming and here's what we have now. Uh, the third piece is to, to ask students, do they have a plan? And, and what, how are they thinking right now about how to move forward? And what we're hearing and seeing is that many students, uh, particularly low-income students, are thinking, I just don't see how I can do this. I don't see how I can move forward. You know, we're trying to uh, make sure we're not put out of our home. We're making sure that we are feeding ourselves. We've got other just family problems we're dealing with. It's hard to see where school fits into that. Yeah. Um, and that that's for, for many. And so, um, so getting that understanding, because institutions do need to know, they need to plan and understand what capacity they need and how students will respond to the strategic decisions they're making. Um, the fourth piece is any advice. And you really have to be careful because um, each student is different and what they, who knows what they should do. And so a co college personnel calling in and saying, hey, we think you should do this is, could seem totally off, but also possibly self-serving, right? Like, oh, come on, everything's going to be fine. But I do think, and you mentioned you have a high school student. I do too. I've got a daughter who will be a junior at Oakland Tech uh, this mm -hmm. fall. And, um, and I'm thinking if I had a, a student graduating, I think my message would be to keep moving, to find yeah. a way to, to keep moving. And yes, if they're not ready for it and not expecting it, online learning is not the same. You know, it's not, it's not just as good yet for yeah. institutions, but it is reflective of what we're going to see in the world going forward, especially in the workplace. You know, my, my experience is mostly these days via Zoom, phone, email, text, uh, some apps that I use. And so, so and, and they're at a point in their lives where they've got to move forward. And it's not as though there's going to be a ton of employment for 18 to 23 year olds in this, in this time. And so we should be using the time to move our lives forward, to continue to study, to continue to think about the future. And I think students, this, this right now in May, 2020, this is a very difficult time economically to graduate college. Mm -hmm. In four years, my gut is it will be a better time. Um, my hope is we will be coming through a pretty significant economic disruption. And so graduating in four years or five years, my hope and expectation is that it will be better. And that there will be, with the delays, we're going to see a little bit of a bulge of folks moving through in five, six, and seven years. And that it might be good to, to land and finish before that. Now, that's a luxury and not everybody's going to be able to. But, 
but I think that is fair general perspective. And, and in giving any advice to students, we got to be very thoughtful that their situation is unique and nuanced and um, possibly more stressed than we can even imagine. Absolutely. And I guess the other thing I would just add to that, I mean, that's a really great set of recommendations. But the other thing I would add is just, and I, I think you, you've basically said this, but transparency. Um, you know, students know when you're not being honest with them, <laughs> or at least they, they, they like to guess. And, you know, a huge part of this, and I think what you're getting at, Kai, is that we need to develop trust. And you do that by saying, sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I may, not, I may not be able to give you the best advice at this point in time because I don't know what's going to happen in six months or a year. And so I think, you know, for a lot of students, we're just making our best guess based on the, the best information we have right now. You know, and I see this happening with a lot of institutions saying, you know, the best information we have right now is that we can do this you know, hybrid approach to learning in the fall and, and, you know, you need to decide how this is, is going to, to work out for you. But, um, you know, in general, I, I think that just that, that transparency is a really critical component of that communication with students. That's right. Yeah. To, to share openly and, um, and what I'm about to say here, I, I don't know how to handle this yet, but there is a reality for all institute, maybe not for Harvard, Stanford, uh, Princeton, Yale, and some of the really well endowed, but we are, uh, uh, many institutions are now thinking about survival in a way that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about challenges in higher ed, but this really is going to stress many institutions, many private and public institutions. and. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that fits in because by sharing transparently about that could be very scary to students, but also yeah. say, hey, um, uh, we are, to, to, to maybe share why there hasn't been enough information going out is we're really working through how we keep things moving and do our very best work going forward because this actually is a financial shock to the institution. Mm -hmm. I think it's better to be honest on that front. Um, and I think I trust to me is everything. And part of that is transparency and sometimes exposing some vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. and, and related to that, you know, it, it's not realistic, I think, to say this to a new incoming student, but particularly for uh, continuing students, we've got to, we've got to think about student empowerment. And part of that, and, and, and particularly for students of color to say, we need you at the table right now. Mm -hmm. We've got to figure this out. Um, wh what we moved forward and did without you is not working well enough. We need you here and we need you to be fully informed and we want your input. That, if I were a university leader, I would want that to be part of my approach. I know that's complex and not always easy, but that is um, possibly the way we get through this is to bring more voices to the table and, and better solutions not have uh, come to us on our own. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, um, I, I've seen that starting to happen. And, you know, the I think the the interesting thing is I see a lot of faculty who are frustrated that they don't necessarily feel like they have a voice in a lot of the decisions that are being made right now. But um, the the, you know, even more so that's true for the students. And Actually, I think we're still seeing students starting to, 
you know, put out their own statements about how they feel about not only what's going to happen with the upcoming school year, but also um, you're responding to statements being made by, you know, university presidents and so on. And, and I think what's really important is that, um, you know, these administrators listen. And so that's another component of this. Don't just invite these students to the table, but you actually have to listen to them and show them how their uh, ideas and recommendations are being incorporated into um, you know these discussions and so I think that's that's another important component but you know there's a I, I think there's you know you mentioned the Harvard's and Princeton's and Yale's and, and Stanford's um, we're both near Stanford today but um, you know that I think there's another part of the discussion that has to focus on these you know unfortunately a lot of the higher ed you know newspapers and magazines and so on talk focus on these in bigger institutions elite institutions you know selective institutions whatever we want to call them and where most of the, our students are going is really these you know community colleges regional colleges you know the california state system which we already know is going to be online <clears throat> in the fall and um, so I think a lot of this advice has to really be focused on where the majority of the students are going not you know, the elites are going to be fine, you're right, but, you know, these you know, bigger public institutions are going to be struggling financially, and, and it's okay for students to know that. Um, and so I think that's another important component of all of this. Right, right. You know, done right, this could be a good moment for democracy in, in higher ed and the way institutions are run. And so, you know, you mentioned faculty and the way they feel right now. Um, mm -hmm. This is still sort of emerging for me, but, and there's so many things going on that are important right now, but I'm kind of seeing four pieces that are all happening at the same time, but we've kind of seen different emphasis as we've gone. So the first, which I was very happy with is, with this, and I'm talking really about the response to COVID-19 and, and the economic crisis it is brought and is still bringing. So number one, people thought about student well-being and student learning, and that obviously continues, but that was the big push, I think, in kind of March and April and recognition, hey, we kind of got to get students off campus quickly. We've got to think about these issues. We've got to think about their families. Mm -hmm. The second piece has been, you know, the shoe has dropped where folks are realizing institutional survival and enrollment mm -hmm. management are important. And we've, we just, we have a responsibility to keep this going and make sure the long-term survival of the institution. What wasn't talked about and is now definitely happening now and is going to be a big issue over the summer and fall is the health and well-being of faculty and staff and administration too. But uh, faculty have got to worry about their health and safety, especially if they were over 55 or over 65, You're much more vulnerable. And, mm -hmm. and with the fact that they're probably, they're, they're almost definitely will be cuts to uh, retirement contributions, there may be furloughs, there may be actual reductions in pay, mm -hmm. that creates pain and, and trouble right there. And especially in, in um, consider with shared governance um, involved, just a lot of tension and debate. Yeah. Um, and so that I think is one of the things we're going into right now is we're going to see a lot of, of discussions and challenge around that. And I'll just say university leadership, you mentioned transparency earlier, man, they need to be transparent right now because if they appear, appear to be just making decisions, pulling all the strings, 
They're going to get major backlash. They need to show empathy and compassion for faculty and staff in a big way because if faculty and staff aren't happy or not, they're not going to be happy, but if they're not cared for at least and, and get given support to address these issues and the way they're feeling, they won't be effective with students at all. Um, and, and that's what we need. You know, students need support. So those supporting students need support too. The, um, so that's really the, the critical one now. Now I think, and I just started to see it the other day, um, an emerging fourth area of emphasis, which is uh, how do we take the disruption and recognize some of it is here to stay. So how do we adjust? How do we, and how do we maybe find, and I'm not trying to find just little bits of positive because it's mostly very negative, but how do we use this disruption to facilitate good change, to make sure we're getting better at getting strong learning outcomes across the board and particularly more equitable outcomes? And two, how are we just dealing with some of the cost issues in higher ed? And um, I definitely, I don't want to see one person laid off, anyone's um, salary reduced. Um, however, we've just got to recognize that uh, right now, the amount of debt that's being created and um, the high cost, is, it's, it's got to be addressed. We've got to find some efficiencies as other, other industries have. And so, you know, I was encouraged my... my one of my daughter's eighth grade graduation a week ago uh, was on Zoom. And mm -hmm. while it wasn't perfectly executed, it had some components and elements that were better than an in-person graduation. Right. So rather than we, we can't just complain, can't just fret, we have to think about what are the pockets of a possible improvement that can come out of this. We have to focus on that. So it's, again, it's all four, and I put them in that sort of, I don't know if I would order them that way, but I would just review student health, well-being, and student outcomes, mm -hmm. um, institutional survival, and, and really enrollment management. Mm -hmm. Three, the health and well-being of faculty, staff, and administration. And then four, um, finding the positives in the disruption and how that helps us move forward more effectively in the near term, but particularly in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very obvious that higher ed is going to be going through some changes as we move forward. And, and I think a lot of those can be positive changes. I mean, a lot of it's going to revolve around, you know, reducing costs, but finding ways to still provide good quality education and support to students. So I agree with that 100%. And I hate to say it, but we're actually at 30 minutes already. I can't believe it. We had a, a, this has been a great uh, conversation and so much information. Um, that's really useful, but um, we do have to wrap up. And uh, I know we've, it's, I'm, I'm laughing because I know we, we had a few, I know here I'm at my house, of course, doing recording and I, there's probably some background noise from my husband and kids. And <laughs> so I think we both have some challenges with our, um, you know, our setups here as we're working from home. But I really appreciate your time today, Kai. And, um, and I hope people will check out Inside Track. They really are doing some great work and, um, I just want to say again, thank you. This is the Higher Education Leadership Podcast, and we are the Center for Higher Education Leadership. You can find us at www.higheredleads.com. So I hope you have a great day, Kai. Thank you so much for having me on, Terry. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care.